Away. Give it back! Mom! Haruka was going to tell me about this great new anime that... You were messaging your friend in Japan. That's the World Wide Web, Mom. Kids Net lets you message with kids everywhere. Well, it's time for bed. The World Wide Web can wait. You'll get your phone back in the morning. Haruka was going to tell me about yokai. Japanese demons, way cooler than Irish fairies. They have, like, spider legs coming out of their ears. Well, what if I tell you a story tonight that connects Ireland and Japan hundreds of years before anyone invented your World Wide Web? You promised we were going to connect Ireland and Alaska with the walruses and the polar bears, like in the documentary. You said you could connect Ireland with Alaska. Well, I can. But first, I'm going to show you that I can connect you to Japan, just like your phone connects you and Haruko. With a single thread of imagination stretching all the way from the ancient fisher people of Ireland to the marshes of Japan. Do they even have walruses in Japan? Um, I don't think so. But they have beautiful cranes with long, graceful necks. Polar bears? Probably not, no. They have foxes, though. So, we have foxes. Foxes are nothing like polar bears. I thought you were excited to be hearing about Japan from your friend. And this story has Japanese demons in it. Well, okay. It has demons in it. Very well. With the power of Anansi's web, the West African spider god of stories, I am going to use a thread of the imagination to connect Ireland with Japan from long before there was internet. Across half the world, over seas and forests and mountains, the thread of story connects us with the very outer edge of Asia, far across the world. If you go any further across the world, you'd be coming back. Now, lie back. Are you lying comfortably? Yep. Good. We begin in ancient Ireland. There is a story told among the fishermen of the rocky shores of the northern oceans in Ireland and Iceland and Greenland. And in Japan. Exactly right. On Hokkaido, the most northern island of Japan, where the red-crowned cranes come to mate, their shrill calls echoing over the great marsh of Kushiromire. Can I look it up on my phone? No, you cannot. Lie back, close your eyes and imagine it. Just a quick search? No. Screen time is over and you're going to imagine this march if it's the last thing I do. And you're going to imagine the cranes with their long beaks like spears and their white feathers and black necks jumping and flapping and calling to each other. I think I can... Yes, I can, I can see them. Jumping and flapping and honking. And now you're going to imagine Yuki, a woman of Hokkaido, who is ready to tell the stories of the cranes. Listen until you hear her voice. I don't think I can. Shh. Listen harder. 
The cranes of Japan mate for life. Dancing together in pairs, stretching their elegant necks to the sky and leaping and flapping their wings. This is a tale of a lonely man who watched the love dances of the cranes in the marsh and dreamt of his own love. I did it! I imagine Yuki! Is the Irish story about the cranes too? No. Our story is about seals, but you'll see how they're connected. On the coasts of Ireland and Scotland, the grey seals dive the depths and bob at the crest of the waves, watching the world of men with their deep, dark and tearful eyes. But on the twelfth night of the moon, one hears tell, some special seals called selkies will slip off their seal skins and become human to dance upon the strand. A strange folk they are, their long hair damp and tangled, their dark eyes as deep as the midnight sky, and their bodies a ripple of carved ice. I thought you said they were seals. They were. They were magical selkie people, perhaps the souls of those lost at sea, who live in the waves as seals but take human form on the twelfth night of the moon. Now, let's check back in on Yuki and the cranes. Many nights the man had watched the cranes leaping and flapping his arms to copy their dance, hoping one day to pair up with a human woman as loyal to him as the cranes are to each other. One day, as he danced, a heavy white bird crashed to the ground by his feet with an arrow poking from its wing. There were hunters on the marsh that day. Do they eat cranes in Japan? They used to in the time of this story, hundreds of years ago. But this man had mercy on the bird. He pulled out the arrow and cleaned the bird's wound until it was able to fly again. Watch out for hunters, he whispered as he set the bird free. The crane soared high into the blue, circled three times over the man's head and cried out thanks. When he made it back to his hut that night, a beautiful woman waited at his doorway. Her eyes deep black and her neck long and elegant like a crane. If you will help me, I will be your wife, she said. Ah, so is she a magic transformer wife too, like a selkie, or like one of those robots that turns into a truck? You'll find out soon enough. Close your eyes, Dara. Imagine the lonely hut. The Irish hut was lonely too, where a fisherman lived by fishing those stormy waters. It was the twelfth night of the moon, and the man saw the distant glow of a fire flickering among the cliffs. Softly, softly, he came nearer and nearer to the dancers, near enough to smell the seaweed burning. Four or five selkies there were, leaping around the fire. The man had never before seen creatures so graceful that could swim through the air as a fish dances through water. Yet more and more, the fisherman found his eyes drawn to one only. Oh no, is this a love story? I know all about your traditional Irish love stories. They're all going to die, aren't they? And maybe get cursed. Maybe, maybe not. Ah, oh, it 
is a love story. He didn't say it was going to be a love story. I was promised a West African spire god and Alaska. This is a swindle. I told you before. You have to listen for five nights, connecting Ireland by our most ancient stories to every corner of the world, and then you get the spider god and the story of how he won all the world's stories. Now, do you want to hear the story or not? Fine, but only because it's got a Japanese bit. It's no easy thing to steal a person's home and their very self to make them your own. Though a fisherman lives by tangling creatures in his netting, yet a love embrace is not meant to be a hook. The northern lights flickered green, fire across the night skies, and the man crept his way over the earth, torn between the thrill of the hunter and the shame of the thief. For a man is a beast of two natures too, and many are the skins he sheds. Softly, softly, the fisherman crawled towards the silver seal skin. As he dove forward and grabbed the fur, he heard a piercing shriek. (coughs) Turning his head, he saw the selkie staring at him in horror. The man ran, stumbling home over the rocks and the sand, the shrieks of the selkie echoing in his ears. He nicked it. He just nicked her skin and ran off with it. What a jerk. He's way worse than the Japanese guy. At least the Japanese guy fixed her wing. Love makes you do funny things. Like nicking people's skins? I'm not even going to feel sorry for him when he gets horribly cursed. Let's get back to Yoki and the Cranes. Thank you, Kleena. Life with his new wife was a miracle to the lonely man of the marshes. Where before they had been cold and damp, now there was a fire blazing and a pot full of rice for every meal. Where before there was silence, now there was humming and singing around the house. Chatter and laughter after every day. His heart almost burst each evening when he walked into his home and saw her long neck arching over household task and the dark eyes glancing up to his. One day, when the man arrived home, wife had brought a loom for weaving. Hanging a close curtain across the corner of the room, she disappeared behind the curtain with her loom to weave the man a marvelous cloth. Do not pull back this curtain or ask me any question until I'm done. She smiled, disappearing behind the curtain. He heard the rattling of the loom. All day and all night, the loom rattled behind the curtain. When the lonely man of the marshes woke the next morning, the loom was still working. On the curtain, he saw a shadow of his wife rising and falling, her neck stretching longer and thinner in the candlelight. The sleeves of her kimono flew out like wings. Oh, oh! I bet that's because... Shh, Dara. Still, the man asked nothing, and he did not pull back the curtain. Another day passed and another. Not until the seventh day did the wife pull back her curtain, pale and disturbed, to hand the man the softest and most beautiful cloth he had ever seen. 
Take this to market, said the wife, and it will fetch a high price. So the man did as he was told, selling the clothes for a high price at the market and buying his wife a new kimono with lotus flowers and a stringed koto to play music. It was not until he was walking home with these gifts that he remembered that there was no thread in the house from which to spin clothes. If I was him, I would have looked behind the curtain. I don't like mysteries. There is a mystery in every marriage. Our Irish fisherman kept the sealskin hidden in an old chest of nets in the corner of his room. He tied the key around his neck. The next day, a lone woman with honey hair and wild eyes stood on the beach outside his hut and stared at him, her dark eyes streaming tears. Be, be my wife, the man croaked to her. She flinched from his embrace as if it was a hook. Of course she did, because he was a scummy thief. She was wild, and the wild is a hard thing to break in a body. By day she mended his nets and scrubbed his floors, and by night she wailed to the sea. When a child was born to the couple, it seemed their happiness was complete. Wait, they have a child already? Oh yes, they got married and had a child. Everyone gets married really quickly in these traditional stories. Maybe if they took a bit longer to get to know each other, they wouldn't end up dying of horrible curses so often. Shh! Close your eyes and imagine the hut again. The fisherman watched his wife as she bounced their child on her knee, whispered in his ears, clapped his little starfish hands together and <laughs> laughed at his gurgles. Yet for all that, there was still, at times that restless look in her eyes as she gazed out beyond her husband and child. For the heart is a wandering seabird and it nests only half the year. Speaking of birds, the man of the marshes was lonely no longer in the laughter and embraces of his wife. When the riches she had earned him with her wonderful clothes ran out, she raised up the curtain and disappeared behind it with loom and candle to weave a new cloth, more beautiful than the first. Only remember never to pull back the curtain, she smiled. The man of the marshes sighed, thinking of another long and lonely week without his wife. The clatter of the loom came from behind the curtain as he sadly boiled his tea. Suddenly, he remembered that there was still no thread in the house. There had been no thread before, and there was no thread now. See? That's what I said. It makes no sense. Is she weaving the cloth out of thin air or what? The lonely man of the marshes remembers the tale of Tsukimono the spirit which possesses animals and people, bringing misfortune. Was his wife too good to be true? Where was the threat for these marvelous cloth? A day passed another. The man could not eat or sleep. All night he lay awake and listened to the loom. Finally, 
he could stand it no more. He must peep behind the curtain. One little peep. Only to see where the thread came from and how she made the cloth. Softly. Softly. The man of the marshes crept up to the curtain and pulled it back. He stared. He gasped. Instead of his wife, at the loom there sat a huge crane, plucking soft white feathers from her own chest to use as thread in the weaving of the most beautiful cloth he had ever seen. I knew it was a crane. I was going to say she was a crane. It was the long neck. The long neck gave it away. Well, what about the seal wife? The day came that the fishermen hurried to sea to catch a favouring tide with the storm on the horizon. His nets were ragged with holes, but his wife was out walking with the baby and too busy to mend them. So he took the key from his neck and unlocked the chest in the corner. He grabbed nets from it, let the heavy lid slam shut and dashed for his boat to go fishing. With the storm rising, the seal woman returned to her hut, holding the hand of her little boy. Wait, the little boy can walk now? How much time has passed? How long has she been trapped with this man? Plenty of time. Nothing happened, though, so I skipped it. You're skipping an awful lot. One minute they hate each other, the next minute they're married. Now their baby's walking. That's just the mysteries of marriage. And we're only hearing his side of things. Sure, he thinks that it's a happy marriage, but maybe she's really sick and tired of him. Because he never does the housework, and I bet he doesn't change nappies either. It was a long time ago. Storytellers in the old days didn't think it was important to let us know who was changing the nappies. Now you've made me lose my train of thought. Uh, Where was I? The woman and her suddenly able to walk baby had just made it back to the hut. Oh, and the fisherman forgot to lock the chest. The chest with the seal skin in it. So it was... The seal wife's eye fell on the unlocked chest. Her shaking hands lifted the lid, and there, nestling in the netting, lay the silver sealskin. With a yelp, she snatched it and hugged it to herself, dancing around the hut. Wild laughter shook her. The child sat in the doorway watching her. The Selkie's eyes filled with the tears of her people that could never return nor ever forget. Before she raced for the salt and the wave, slipping on her sealskin and dropping to the foam as a sleek, silvered seal. She just left him there? Well, she couldn't hug him with her flippers and she couldn't take him with her into the water because he couldn't swim. There was no way for her to live in both worlds. Her head rose up once out of the water, far out in the bay, staring back at her house and her boy. It appeared once more, far out to sea. Then it was gone, and no more was seen of the selkie lass on those shores. Ever again? Ever, ever again. That's almost as bad as dying of horrible curses. What about the Japanese crane wife? Was that any better? The crane wife whipped her long neck around when she heard her husband's gasp. 
From her crane's beak came a woman's voice. You have looked when I told you not to look. You have seen what I told you not to see. In gratefulness for your healing my wing, I gave you my whole life and love and loyalty. But your loyalty is not like a crane's loyalty. Your trust is not like a crane's trust. You cannot be anymore a husband of mine. With that, the crane flew out the door, and she was never seen again. I heard too. Yes, Dara, her too. We told you the stories were connected. Every summer, the man of the marshes sees cranes dancing and calling to each other, and he wonders which one of them might be his wife. Japanese cranes made for life, always returning to one another across the years, summer after summer. Yet man and woman squabble and fight. Their loyalty is not like the crane's loyalty. This is why the crane in Japan is a symbol of marriage and good fortune. And with that, my story is at an end. Goodbye. Sayonara. Sayonara, Yuki. Thanks for your story. She's gone. It's time I finished up our Irish story, too. No words can describe the sickness in the fisherman's chest when he found the sealskin missing and realised he had lost his love to the ocean. To the end of his days, when the light of the moon kept him from sleeping, the man would wander the shoreline and play his music to the waves. However hard he listened, he could hear no answer. For a creature of the wild knows better than to be hooked a second time and the man knew no other way of loving than catching and keeping. Wiser to wait for the sudden surfacing that trust freely given. And so, the long years go, and men and women love and leave each other, hurt and heal each other, like the rising and falling of the tide. While all this time, the dark heads of the seals can be seen rising out of the sea, gazing back at the land with tearful eyes. So, either way, they lose their wives. The mystery of nature was too much in the end. They tried too hard to catch and control their love. But other people need their freedom to be wild. Like me. <laughs> like you when you're grown up, yes. Ah, I need a little freedom now, too. Mum? Yes? Do you need freedom, too? Of course I do. But I can always take you with me on my adventures. The selkie wife couldn't because she was a seal, you see. She couldn't even hug him with her flippers. That's why it's a sad story. Fine then, you can hug me, but just for good night. Squeeze. Mum? Yes? These are old stories, right? Very old. Hundreds of years old at least. Maybe thousands. So... Long before people had World Wide Webs to connect them. Long before, yes. And Japan is all the way on the other side of the world. Like, so far away that it's already tomorrow over there. 
Exactly. You couldn't get any further away without coming back. So, how come they were telling nearly the same story over there that we were telling over here? People were always connected, Dara. People in Japan looked out at the waves and the sky, the flights of birds and the stars at night, just like we did. And just like we did, they loved and they lost, they married and they fought, they had friends and they had loneliness. So, from all these things, they ended up making up stories that sounded a lot like ours. I guess that makes sense. And they have foxes over there too. Just like us. That's why you could hear Yuki's voice so clearly in your mind. We are all connected by Anansi's web. This thread joins Ireland and the farthest far east of Asia, the land of the rising sun, all the way on the other side of the world. So where are we connecting next time? Well, that depends. If tonight's story makes you go to sleep, I might tell you a story tomorrow that connects us with Alaska. Then the Amazon rainforest, adding new threads from every corner of the world until finally we end up with the tale of the West African spider god himself. How does that sound? You promise it's going to be an Alaskan story with a walrus? Well, a story that is connected somehow to Alaska. Mum, if this is a trick... Be careful. If you don't lie back right now and get to bed, then maybe I'll tell you a story from a really boring part of the world instead. How boring? Really boring. More boring than Matt's class. Maybe I'll go to bed then, but only because you promised me a spider god and a walrus. I'm holding you to that. Night, Mum. Night, Dara. Nancy's Web was written by Bridget McCone and directed by Hugh Hick. It featured Nicole Rourke as Kleena and Alex Kelly as Dara. This episode's guest storyteller Yuki was played by Maki Mutai. Additional music was composed by Justin McCann and the series was produced by Heather McLeod. And Nancy's Web is a Hugh Hick, Heather McLeod production for RTE, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.
Time for the Cozy Corner on RTE Junior Radio. Hi there, everybody. You're listening to the Cozy Corner with me, Sophie. I hope you're having a lovely Tuesday. I certainly am, now that I'm talking to you. Will we have a nice stretch and try to find a cosy spot to drift off to the land of Nod? <sighs> now, that's better. Are you comfy? Oh good. Now we can have wonderful dreams. I sometimes like to dream about the beach and building sandcastles. What are your favourite things to dream about? Now that we're cosy, it's time to start dreaming. The only me there will ever be You're the only you I can sing this to In all of human history You're the only you, I'm the only me People say we are kin To everyone who's ever been Alike a lot At least somewhat, but really not much I'm the only me there will ever be You're the only you I can sing this to In all of human history You're the only you, I'm the only me You know me I know you There is no one I'm closer to But how we link How we think Is so distinctive That's the way it's supposed to be And who cares if we're all so diff It's still terrific I'm the only me there will ever be You're the only you I can sing this to In all of human history You're the only you, I'm the only me You're the only you, I'm the only me Taking a few moments to settle your body now. Lying down, relaxing on your back on the floor. Or sitting nice and comfy in your chair. Tall, yet relaxed, 
Let your hands rest gently on your lap if you're sitting. Let your hands rest gently on the floor if you're lying. Close your eyes if that feels nice. Or just relax your eyes, gazing or looking softly downwards. Notice how your body feels. Inside, does it feel giddy or still? How does your head feel? Does your head feel heavy or light? Notice how your neck feels and your shoulders. 